Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined this week by special guest Jeff Fox from the MMA Manifesto. And it is a crazy week in the world of fights. That's right, we are getting two fight cards fresh off of that exciting action-packed card on Saturday. And we are going to be loading up our show for you as well. Today we'll be talking to three of the fighters who are fighting this week. I'm talking with Giga Chikadze as he gets ready for his fight with Mike Davis. I'll be talking with Ike Villanueva, recent signee to the UFC, as he gets ready for Chase Sherman. And of course, I'll be talking with Eric Anders, who fights Christoph Jaco. All exciting fights. And we are also returning with Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Me and Jeff Fox are going to be breaking down for you three fights on the card that we think that you should take a look at, giving you our picks for them, as well as both of us giving you an underdog pick and both of us giving you a parlay pick. So make sure you tune in for that. But before we get to any of that great content, I, of course, have to remind you that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by a ladder. Have you tried like 600 different supplements and pre-workouts and you're tired of looking for the perfect one? Well, you're not alone. In fact, LeBron James was there during the NBA Finals, cramping up, feeling awful. And, and if you've ever cramped up during jiu-jitsu or MMA, you know it is the absolute worst. But that's why LeBron teamed up with Arnold Schwarzenegger to create Ladder and change the way that supplements are made. Their supplements have carefully been crafted by top scientists for high-level performance, quality, and most important to me, taste. I've been throwing their tropical fruit pre-workout in before my quarantine training sessions, and I feel better than ever. And they're also third-party NSF certified, which means I can count on knowing that only the best stuff is going into my body. Now, they want to help you unlock the best in any situation, and that means access to special offers and expert advice, and you can do all of that at ladder.sport. That's L-A-D-D-E-R dot S-P-O-R-T, and make sure while you're there you use promo code BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off your whole order. Ladder brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Giga Chikadze, who fights Mike Davis at UFC in Jacksonville, Florida, on May 16th. So, Giga, I actually wanted to start talking a little bit about kickboxing with you because you're one of the couple of fighters who have come into the UFC right now and had a lot of success as previously a kickboxer. Do you think there's a reason we're seeing this more and more recently? Uh, I think one of the reasons uh, why the kickboxers are retiring from kickboxing and moving uh, in MMA is because uh, K1 has died a couple of, maybe like 10, 10 years ago. There is no much really going on there. Uh, Glory is a great show, but unfortunately, uh, money-wise, they are financially, they are not really prepared to take care of their fighters the way the fighters want to be taken care of. so also there are some shows like the one fc is doing really okay and the uh, bellator's kickboxing is not not bad at all too but there is not uh there's not something uh, special to think about you know like let's say if you are a ufc champion if you become ufc champion one day you know you know that that's gonna be you're gonna be like big thing in the world and fans will know your name for sure but 
uh, in a kickboxing, if you become, let's say, the glory kickboxing champion or Bellator kickboxing champion or even the 1FC, it's like very low of amount of the people will be knowing uh, your name. So I feel like the one of the reasons is the financing and the another one is the fan base in MMA is much, much, much more. So, so do you see this happening more and more as time goes? Do you expect to see more high-level kickboxers making the change over? You know, I have a lot of friends from high-level kickboxing, uh, especially my Dutch friends, Dutch, Suriname, Moroccan kickboxers. I used to live in eight years in Amsterdam, and from there I, I know them very well, like Dutch fighters and all their teams. And all of these guys are... Uh, struggling uh, financially now and they are keep talking to me to hook him up uh, hook them up with the manager MMA managers MMA shows uh, give us some tips about MMA careers to start and I see this happening a lot I see a lot of kickboxers moving in MMA if there will be something very soon fixed in kickboxing world which is very, very sad for me. Kickboxing is one of my hobby. One of, that's from all my life I'll be uh, doing. And uh, yeah, we're very sad about it that there is no the uh, good management in that kind of shows. And, and it, so you said it was one of your loves, and it's really sad to see it sort of taper off like that. If it were up to you and you could make the same amount of money in either place, have the same amount of prestige in either place, would you still be kickboxing today? So if you would ask me that five years ago, I would definitely tell you that yes. But today I'm totally different position. I have totally different challenges. I've been putting a lot of hard work in wrestling and jiu-jitsu. I want to prove that I'm one of the best MMA fighters. So uh, today, not at all. I'm an MMA fighter, and I want to become UFC champion very soon. I'm putting a lot of work in this. I see happening in maybe a year or two, and uh, that's my goal, and that's all my challenge today. And you said make, making lots of improvements in wrestling and jiu-jitsu because obviously, you know, those are the, the arts that are grappling arts and you're a little bit less familiar with. How much of your training camp time and how much of your time do you put into the grappling arts versus just honing some of your kickboxing? I almost train every day the, some kind of grappling and wrestling. Always. Like even if it's a striking uh, practice we have, it's all for uh, MMA style of striking. And MMA strike of uh, MMA style of striking today for me is to strike, strike, and start defending and be ready for uh, some kind of wrestling defense at least. So I'm putting a lot of hard work in there. So there is no any practice. I don't have any practice without uh, a couple of elements of uh wrestling or grappling defense and, and that's interesting to me too because your opponent here which is coming up just around the corner is mike davis a guy who doesn't typically grapple all that much he's a guy who spends a lot of time on his feet similar to you does that change at all how you prepare for him that, you, that you're spending maybe more time kickboxing or are you sticking with the so, status quo uh, i'm going to tell you one, one uh, surprise uh in, in your show uh, i have not said this to nobody no one yet Three years ago, he was in my gym. Three years ago, he came and visited uh, King's MMA, and 
we were having uh, so at that time I was just a kickboxer and I was preparing for my high high level kickboxing fight. I was in tournament in a glory. I was going to fight in Madison Square Garden and uh, we had the kickboxing uh, training. And this guy was visiting the Kings for a week or two, I don't remember, and he changed and he puts his MMA gloves while I'm sparring kickboxing and I'm having uh, very soon this kickboxing fight. And camp is on me, everyone is trying to help me with kickboxing, and he puts MMA gloves and starts to strike with me, uh, and we have a sparring with the... um, him being MMA gloves and I'm with kickboxing gloves. And suddenly he starts shooting. It just like there, there, I, I believe there will be no one who's going to just completely stand in front of me. If you see all my fights, like both of my, all, uh, both of my UFC opponents, they were strikers and both of, uh, them, They've been keep shooting, keep trying to take me down. That's all they were doing till I guess out and then then they try to do something. So I feel like he's going to do the same. There is no one who's going to be confident to start switching and doing exchanges in a striking stance. So I'm interested too. Now you obviously don't have to divulge everything that happened in that training session, but you know, you said he started shooting on you randomly as you're preparing for a kickboxing fight. How was your wrestling then versus how it is now? Oh, oh, that was completely different. Even that time, he did a couple of shots. Uh, he only took me down the first time when, because I didn't expect when we having a kickboxing training, you start shooting on me and try to take me down. And then, yes, he took me down the first time because that was kind of a surprise for me. After that, he kept trying and trying and he couldn't take me down neither. And uh, today, I'm completely different fighter. I'm... I'm I'm uh, having a lot of MMA experience and wrestling experience too. I'm training with Olympic uh, uh, Olympic wrestlers and uh, one of the best uh, American wrestlers as well. So I, I got a lot of experience right now. So I assume you know if I ask you for a prediction here, you're gonna expect somewhat similar to what you just described to me, right? You expect to be able to stuff his takedowns. Do you expect to be able to knock him out here? He's a tough guy. I don't care about tough guy. I've been knocking a lot of tough guys out. So it, he's going to be just one of them. It's time for me to put a nice KO inside the UFC. I have two fights and I've been really much like uh, was testing myself in these two fights. And I did really well because all of, both of my guys, they had a uh, high, like the one had the brown belt and one had the black belt jiu-jitsu. And uh, both of them they were good wrestlers as well and good strikers. But they couldn't do not much, you know. Yeah, it was a close fight, but both of my fights I took two weeks and one week short notice. So this fight is not also a long camp. I'm having a three week, almost three weeks, like two and a half week camp. But uh, I don't really mind about this because I know the guy. Uh, I know who he is. I've been ready to fight him since uh, when I was asked the first time in September. So uh, I just can't wait for this. <laughs> Yeah, and we're certainly looking forward to it as well. Once again, fans, this was Giga Chikadze, who fights Mike Davis at UFC in Jacksonville on May 16th. Giga, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you always uh, keeping attention of my career. 
And that interview with Giga Chikadze is brought to you by the Fight Call app. Make sure to head to GetFightCall.com, punch in your email address so that you can get updates on the app that is going to change the way that you play daily fantasy sports for MMA. They allow you to pick a fight card, make your predictions on who's going to win, what round they're going to win, and how they're going to win, and win based on that. Don't worry about the pesky salary caps anymore. Don't worry about making sure that you can get all the fighters you like. Don't worry about only picking four or five fighters. You can pick the whole card. You can pick all of the fights that you want. You can pick all the fighters you want. It is the best way to play Daily Fantasy Sports. They're going to be launching soon. And in the meantime, make sure to get updates on the app by punching in your email address and giving yourself a chance to win a $25 gift card. Fight Call app brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Ike Villanueva who fights Chase Sherman at UFC in Jacksonville on Wednesday, May 13th. So, uh, Ike, I got to ask you, you know, you see the signing, 15 years in MMA and you are just getting your shot in the big show. Now, what what does this feel like right now? Man, it's... uh. It was, it was unreal when I got the call. It was it's been a long road, man, but I finally got here, man. It's still a lot of emotions going through with my family and wife and kids, especially my fight team, man. They seen the hard work I put in, and most guys my age, they would they would hung them up a long time ago, man. I, I stayed with it. I, I didn't give up, and uh, through my injuries and my time away, I knew I had a, I knew I had the ability to be in the UFC, and I just had to keep on working hard, and I finally got there, man. But I'm not satisfied. Getting, I'm not satisfied being here. I'm gonna prove myself May 13th. And, and and you said that too, right? Like you're you a lot of people your age or who had been in the sport for you know a decade and a half would have probably yeah. given up by now. Were you ever worried that it wasn't gonna happen? Were you ever close to hanging it up? Uh, man, it's funny because uh, back in February, uh, went to the UFC last uh, party. Uh, talked to Mick Maynard. I was, I was asking him, dude, I beat everybody. That they told me to beat. I said, who else do I have to beat? He's telling me it's a business. We, we see what you're doing, but it's a business with your age and how we can market you. And it's, it's a business aspect. But as soon as I got at that meeting with them, or just talking to them, I said, man, I got with my local guys, the promoter around here. I said, then find me the the young prospect on the radar and bring him down here. And we had a couple guys scheduled, but, you know, this virus ended. Uh, I just stayed busy. Uh, my wife said, stay patient. And I did that. And luckily enough, I got the phone call. But, you know, I beat uh, Roger Novice and uh, Rashad Cutler in my last two fights. These are UFC vets, and I beat them in uh, dramatic fashion. I, I call it Dana White fashion, you know, knockout fashion. He wants to see that. And, hey, man, I knew I was going to get the call sooner or later. Yeah, well, and I was going to ask that, too. You know, obviously, you know, you just mentioned a, a meeting with Mick Maynard and talking about marketability and, and going out and smashing two guys right in the row after that. Did Did you have any idea this was coming, especially now at a time when we have, like, postponed cards and it seems like every fighter wants to get on one of these? Yeah, man, it's like, you know, back in my head, I was like, I, I had a feeling that this was going to happen. And I was like, man, I said, it was just one of those weird feelings. I was like, man, I'm going to get one of these opportunities. Like, you know, I don't have a true training camp. But I always knew in my head, at my age, getting in the UFC, it wasn't going to be, hey, man, you got six weeks to get ready. This could be a short notice call. And my 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 head, I, was like, knew, I knew, hey, I ain't saying no. I mean, I'm blue-collar, tough Texas guy, man. Hey. If I can walk, I can work, man. So that's what I'm going to do. And uh, this is a, I'm not I'm not going no bum to step in this cage. I'm a guy that, man, I'm going to show the world who the hurricane is in Jacksonville. Absolutely. Now, I also have to ask, too, because you, you fluctuated in the last few years. You fought as low as middleweight, as high as heavyweight, and here you are getting the opportunity 
against the UFC veteran in Chase Sherman at Whoa. heavyweight. Uh, did did you ideally want to fight a heavyweight in the UFC, or was your thought that you wanted to try maybe light heavyweight or middleweight? Yeah, um, my goal is to get the light heavyweight and be at light heavyweight. That's where I feel comfortable at. <clears throat> but I'm strong enough to man. I'm undefeated heavyweight in these regional scenes. I been with the bigger guys. That's cool. They're bigger, but man, it's fight to fight. But I, I train with big guys. And my striking is it's it's just up there, man. So uh, my power is everything. But, man, being able to fight heavyweight, I get a lot of power. There's no cutting weight. There's no losing power. But no, I'm not a guy that's fucking just big old beer belly. Or I'm not that kind of heavyweight. I'm a, I'm a tough old bull coming in there. So I'm excited for it. But uh, this fight, I think, is a heavyweight deal. If it's a smart heavyweight fight for the next one, maybe I'll do it. But if not, I'll go down to 205. So, so you said you're not like a big heavyweight, obviously, right? But you yeah. feel like you got the punch and power. Yeah. So then what is the advantage that you see in going down to 205? What, what do you love about it so much down down a weight class? Uh, that one, I, I feel strength-wise and, like, you know, the rest of the ability to just to get with those guys. You start, man, messing with, like, the big heavyweights, these guys kept for 300 to get to, you know, 265. You know, these are monsters. I, I trained with Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis is a beast. That boy, <laughs> he's a corn-fed guy. It's like, that's a little different. So, you know, you got to be choose your matchups wisely, but in some cases. And at 205, I feel I'm all around. I'm not worried about a wrestling guy's strength at 205 because we're cutting there. Usually at heavyweight, guys are just everywhere from 206 and up. So, you know, the weight's different. Absolutely. And, and, and ideally, this is probably works out for the best, too. Not having to do a weight cut at this current time is probably beneficial. And you get somebody like Chase Sherman, who is, you know, he's not a – a 300-pound heavyweight, right? What were your thoughts when they offered you Chase Sherman getting his opportunity to get back into the UFC? Oh, man. It was um, like everybody I talked to, like, bro, you getting the greatest matchup anybody could die for, man. Just That's a great opportunity for a first fight. You want to fight Chase Sherman? And that's right up my alley. He, we're the same type of fighters, but he think I'm a little bit more up there, man. I'm just excited to get this opportunity. But my management and my, my coach – they knew an hour before. I got a phone call at 4.30 Friday. They knew at 3.30. As soon as he called me, they were fighting May 13th. They didn't even tell me an opponent. I didn't find out I was fighting Chase about 5.30. Once they told me I'm in the UFC, let's go. I mean, I wasn't going to say. No, I didn't care who it was. But once I found out Chase, I was like, okay, let's rock and roll. And you mentioned in there, too, you know, training at this time, you're not able to get a full training camp. You may not even have a full complement of training partners, too. How has the training been during this time where, obviously, everybody's a little more isolated? Man, it's just me and my coach. I'm coaching now, Daniel Fernando. He's a UFC vet. Uh, man, he's a beast, man. He's ground everything. So he's a great coach to have because he'll get in there, spar with me, roll with me, give me the work. And uh, Bob Perez, you know, he's the head coach of Derek Lewis. Having him around, man, it's, it's great. And we all live about man, 10 minutes apart from each other. So we're able to get together and get this training in. And it's pretty, uh, it's been a blessing, man, to have these guys so close and for this opportunity. They've all been with me since day one. It's great to, that we're all going down Jacksonville together. Absolutely. And you said, you know, they've been with you since day one. I'm going to give you a chance to make a prediction here. When you fight Chase Sherman, 15 years of work, hard work, finally in the UFC, what's your prediction? How's this one end? Knockout TKO. It's, it's. I don't know. I can't tell you what round is coming. Tune in, but going to sleep. I'm. That's my job to put them to sleep. You know, you don't go hunting look for the knockout. It's coming. Hey man, I look forward to putting on the show, man. Everything, everything I work for will be all laid out May 13th. 
And we certainly look forward to it. Once again, fans, this was Ike Villanueva, who fights Chase Sherman at UFC in Jacksonville on May 13th. Ike, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, sir. And that interview with Ike Villanueva is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. You can track your martial arts progress by logging training sessions right in the app, sharing them with your friends and all kinds of other cool things like taking notes and logging competitions. And while we're taking a little bit of break from martial arts, or some of us are, you may want to use it to track your exercise. And that's the other cool thing about it. You can track weightlifting sessions or going for a run. They've even got a timer built into the app now so that when you go for a run, you can give yourself a little interval training and stuff like that while you're outside. Because, you know, some of us are not able to get to the gym anymore either. So the Maroon Social is absolutely an app that you need if you train martial arts and if you're exercising at all during this quarantine time. So make sure you get it wherever apps are downloaded. This is Daniel Gumpy Freeman with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Eric Anders, who fights Christoph Jocko at UFC in Jacksonville, Florida, on May 16th. So, Eric, we saw you move back to the middleweight division for your last fight. You were successful in your, your return. Is this now that you're back at 185, your permanent home, or is there a chance we see you at 205 again? Uh, you can probably see me at... Uh... 205 again, you know, I have no qualms or, or reserves about one way class or another, or another. you know, I, I think 205 is more of a short notice thing, um, but I don't know, man, I, uh, it's, it, it's fun to, to fight and not cut weight and all that other good stuff, but I just feel more prepared and more mentally ready at, at 85 than I do 205, so I think the, the mental part is a huge aspect of the game, so. I just feel more locked in at 185. And, and that makes a lot of sense, too. I've heard fighters say that, you know, not having to do a weight cut sometimes throws off their fight week. How, how much do you cut, and, and were you not cutting at all at light heavyweight? Uh, yeah, I still got to cut regardless. Um, but obviously, you know, 205 is like 20, you know, 25 pounds, 20 pounds heavier. So, you know, if anytime you have to cut 20 pounds less, it's, uh, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that, that is a, a pretty big deal. Now, I'm curious, too, is, is what this means for your, your career aspirations. Because, you know, obviously, you know, the goal is to get into the top 15, into the title picture here. Do you feel like moving up and down affects that in any way, shape, or form? Or is it more, you know, the opportunity to be a company man and, and look good in the company's eyes? Um, You know, both. You know, I, I think... I, I think, it, you know, it, it's good to, to be the company guy, you know? You know, um, but, you know, in terms of my career, I think middleweight is the way. Now, if you're like a top five guy in one weight class and change weight classes, man, you're probably looking to still be in that top five of that other weight class, too. So um, I think once I get to the upper echelon of the middleweight division, um, then I can kind of work back and forth a little more frequently. But I think it's important to rack up consistent wins or get, get on a little win streak at the, in the 85 division. So so we can expect to see you, hopefully, if everything goes correctly, two or three times right in a row here at 85 before making another switch? Um, You know, I don't have a crystal ball or anything. They could offer me a, a fight at 205. I could take a fight, you know, because, um, you know, they're doing all this stuff to, to get fighters ready. Not everybody's ready. You know, I'm fighting next week, so I'll be ready for a, for a while after that. So, 
um, I might get that short notice call. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious, too, because I know you moved around a little bit before your last weight or uh, training camp. You were working a little bit with Fortis MMA and a little bit with some other gyms. Where have you been doing the bulk of your training for this fight? Uh, right here at home in uh, Birmingham. And, and was that a, a conscious choice, too? Was that all along the plan, or was that more uh, by necessity, given the, the present situation? Uh, a little bit of both, you know. I did train a little bit at Extreme uh, Couture in Vegas before uh, before all this happened. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, but, you know, I got everything I need right here at home. So, you know, especially with Walt getting ready for a fight, you know, all the other guys in the gym, uh, you know, every, everybody's just locked in right now helping us get ready for the, for these fights. And, and what is it like getting ready with a guy like Walt Harris? Because, you, you know, you said, you know, it's nice to, to have to cut back down to 85 and get a little trimmer, you know, get yourself locked in. You're training with a guy who's, you know, almost 265, the full heavyweight. What, what's it like getting ready with him? Um, You know, Walt's a scary guy. You know, he's big. You know, he's got super fast hands. And, uh, man, he's been doing this a while and knows what he's doing, so... But at the same time, I'm never going to probably fight anybody with faster hands than he does. And, and what do you think about that matchup before we get talking about your matchup? What do you think about that matchup between him and Overeem? I mean, obviously it's a, a fight that's been rebooked for, you know, some very tragic reasons. But what do you think about it this time around? Um, Man, Walt's locked in, man. Walt's ready to go, man. You know, his, his focus and uh, attention to detail is something that – something that I haven't seen out of him since I've known him. And, uh, man, I've, I've known him for about 10 years now. So, um, you know, that's saying a lot. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm very confident in Walt. I think he's going to go out there and, and do his thing and, and get over him out of there and uh, probably take home a bonus. Oh, there you have it. Well, now let, let's talk about your fight a little bit, too, because you're fighting Christoph Jocko, who's who's kind of in the gateway to the top 15 and 185. It seems like everybody who's out of the top 15 – gets beat by him, everybody who's getting into the top 15 is beating him. Are, are you expecting that if you beat him, you should be right in that conversation for top 15, top 10 guy? I would hope so, you know. Um, three fights in a row, you know, that's impressive in any division, you know. Uh, not a lot of people doing that, you know. Wins are hard to come by sometimes, so. Um, and he used to be in the top 15. I think if I go out there and get a win, or when I go out there and get a win in uh, devastating fashion, um, I would imagine I'll be in that top 15 come next Monday. Absolutely. Now, he, he's a guy, too, who tends to take quite a few fights to the ground. Are you expecting to, to have to fend off some wrestling here to work your hands, or are are you sort of expecting him to trade a little bit more with you? Um, nah, he's, he, I think he's going to try and wrestle for sure. You know, I think that, uh, you know, he does a really good job of, of mixing it up, mixing up the pressures with the strikes and the wrestling and all that other good stuff, so... Uh, I would imagine you'll see this fight take place everywhere. Interesting, interesting. And do you have a prediction for us on how this one ends? Uh, you already know I'm trying to go out there and knock somebody out, so um, you can expect that. All right. Well, before I let you go, I am going to ask you for one more prediction, too, because I know you're a Bama guy. We just got done with the NFL draft. Nine Bama guys drafted. Which one do you think predict? Which one do you think will have the biggest future or brightest future in the league? think Jerry Judy. Um, I can't remember who, who did he get picked up by. I believe Jerry uh, Judy went to, to Denver. He went to Denver. Denver. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm not sure what their quarterback situation looks like in Denver, but I would imagine if you draft a receiver, you're going to have to have a quarterback to get the ball to him. And, man, his just breakaway speed and route running is, you know, it's, it's crazy. And he'll go up there and get the ball long, tall. Um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, the sky is the limit for that guy. All right, I love the prediction. First-round knockout and Jerry Judy. You heard them both here first, folks. Eric Anders fights Christoph Jaco at UFC in Jacksonville, Florida on May 16th. Eric, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it, brother. And that interview with Eric Anders is brought to you by BattleClan Gear. Visit BattleClanGear.com for high-end grappling gear. Let me tell you something. If you want some really nice-looking grappling gear for when you stroll back into the gym after quarantine, you're going to want to go to BattleClanGear.com. Use promo code TURTLEUP10 for 10% off your whole order there. Now, I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Today, we are going to be breaking down fights, dogs, and parlays. I am joined by Jeff Fox from the MMA Manifesto. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me. You got it anytime, Gumby. All right, so we're going to be talking today about both cards. So we're going to talk about the main event on both cards and one of the co-main events on the other card. As you guys know with Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, we're going to break down three fights for you, give you an underdog, and give you a parlay with a little role reversal today because usually it's Shockwave Dave queuing me up. Today I'll be queuing Jeff up. So the first fight we're going to talk about is Wednesday's main event. That's the main event between Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira. Anthony Smith comes into this fight as a negative 160 favorite. Of course, he's coming off. Some really good performances, including one against uh, John Jones, Alexander Gustafson, Glover Teixeira, kind of the stalwart of the division. He is coming in at a plus 140 underdog. Jeff, who you got? I think I like Anthony Smith in this one. Um, he, he showed me a lot with his his bounce back fight against uh, Gustafson. Um, he, and he basically he showed that the 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 Jones battle didn't really do him any uh didn't really send him back uh, back too much um and i think Glover's just getting way too long in the tooth at this point to um even though he, he has been on a good roll as of late I, I just think he's he's too long in the tooth and eventually um old uh, father time's gonna catch up to him yeah and i, I think too an, an interesting point of this fight too is the fact that like Glover Teixeira obviously still has a, an incredible skill set when it comes to grappling, but when it comes to striking, he's a little bit slower, right? He's getting touched up a little bit more. Anthony Smith is no slouch on the ground, and I just can't see Glover Teixeira dominating him the way that he needs to in order to win this fight. You know, like he, he was able to do it to Nikita Krylov. He was able to do it to Carl Roberson. Those guys aren't quite the grapplers that Anthony Smith is. So, yeah, I like Anthony Smith here. Do you have any way that you think he's going to get it done here? I'm thinking probably decision. Um, Glover's, um, like I said, he, he's, he's been on a decent roll, and he hasn't really shown um, that that his, his chin's deteriorated too much. And, and there's no way Smith's gonna Smith's gonna uh, top him out, regardless of, of how good he is uh, on the ground, which he is. So I think probably a, uh, a five round decision. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, the last knockout he has was to that Alexander Gustafson combo, and that thing was freaking insane anyway. So. Let's move on to the second main event we have this week. That's right, two main events this week. We'll be talking about Walt, the big ticket Harris, fighting Alistair Overeem. Walt Harris is actually betting off at a negative 150 favorite here, which is sort of surprising. Uh, he's obviously been away for a little while um, for some unfortunate circumstances. But as the lower-ranked fighter here, Walt Harris comes in as a as a favorite. Um, and he's fighting Alistair Overeem, the long time, uh, again, kind of like one of those guys who's been in the division 
forever. Uh, and he's going to be coming in at a ne uh, plus 130 favorite. So we got Walt Harris at negative 150 or Alistair Overeem at plus 130. Jeff, who you like in this one? I think I like the Reem. Am I, am I crazy for thinking that? I, I don't think you are because I thought about this too, right? Like, what, I mean, like, Walt Harris is, is coming off of four straight wins, and I think that's why people like him in, in all four of them. He, he he won uh or three of the four of them rather he won by knockout he the the other one is a split decision win over Andre Arlovsky and don't get me wrong you're not going to find a bigger Andre Arlovsky fan than me I've written about 700 articles about picking him as an underdog and I still think that you know like if you can barely get by Arlovsky here and questionably lose to Arlovsky here I, I worry about it against Overeem right like where do you, where do you see Walt Harris being able to beat Overeem yeah, exactly. Um, and Overeem was was dominating Rosenstrick last fight before he uh, he got his face rearranged at the very end there. So it's not like uh, he's he's in this slump in any way. Um, and he's been knocked out before. It's not like um, not like he doesn't know how to bounce back from that. And he hasn't really shown that that he's he's shot as a fighter. That's for sure. He's been fighting a lot smarter too as of late. Um, and he's always had underrated wrestling ability like he he should be able to fight off Walt Harris he's gonna be the bigger guy I think he'll be able to keep it on the feet and I, I think he can win this one yeah and, and I think you're a hundred percent right on there right like the wrestling defense is surprisingly good in this case and I think that that gives him a really good opportunity and I'm so glad you mentioned the Rosenstrike fight that that's a, a guy who you know depending on you know we're taping this just before he fights Francis Nagano if he won this past weekend hit he, he might be in line for a title shot, and instead we, we've we got, you know, Alistair Overeem being looked down upon for that loss where he won 24 minutes of it. So, uh, obviously, I, I like Alistair Overeem for that reason as well. And that brings us to our final fight, which we're going to go with the co-main event, which is Claudia Gadelia versus Angela Hill. Claudia Gadelia betting off at negative 185. She, of course, is a multi-time title challenger. She's fighting Angela Hill, the last-second replacement specialist. She's betting off at plus 160. Who are you liking this one? It's Maybe it's not the most technical of, of uh, analysis here, but I, I just think there's levels to levels to this game. And uh, Angela Hill's you know a nice fighter, but I just don't see her on... Uh, Claudia's level, at least at least not at this point. Like I said, it's not the most technical of of breakdowns, but I I just don't think she's that level of a fighter, or or she's proven that that she can be at that level of a fighter yet. Yeah, and I, I think while while you're right, that that's not the most technical of breakdown. I think it's perfect, right? Because like if you look at what Claudia Gadelia has done in the UFC, she's been in title fights. You know, she's looked phenomenal against like the World Series of Fighting champion Jessica Aguilar. You know, she's fought Jessica Andrade. She's fought Carla Esparza. You know, like, she's fought the top of the top of the division, and she's looked mostly good doing it all the time, right? She's coming off a good win over Randa Marcos. She, uh, you know, like, had a good battle with Nina Ansaroff. And now we're talking about Angela Hill, who's somebody who's who's winning late late second last second fights, but she's also somebody who lost to Yan Xiaonan. You know, and then her her three next wins, I, I think the best name on it is Hannah Cyphers. Which, don't get me wrong, Anna Cyphers is a nice fighter, but, like, we're talking about somebody who's constantly fighting the Ioana Jan Jacek's and Jessica Andrade's versus somebody who's having some relative success against Luma Lukabume and Jan Shonan. So, like, the the level of competition that they fought is completely different, and the fact that Angela Hill has kind of gotten by on her athleticism, not that she doesn't have some nice skills, but she's kind of gotten by on her athleticism for quite a long time. I, I think you're 100% right on that one. I, I'm going Gedalia, and I actually think she ought to be a bigger favorite than... 
Um, and of course, now now that we're talking about odds, let's talk about some gambling picks for the card here, because uh, we love to throw in an underdog in a parlay that you guys can play at home along with us. So, Jeff, what do you got for an underdog? You got two cards to choose from. Let's let's give the fans uh, your favorite underdog on one of these. Well, uh, the one we we just spoke about a few minutes ago, uh, Alistair Overeem, uh, plus one thirty. He looks like he's he's at in, in most books at this point. I, I think that's a that's a very good number for him. Yeah, I, I like him at that play too, uh, especially because you can probably uh, prop that one up too with a finish because it's heavyweight, right? Like I I feel like the finish is always pretty likely there, and and he's got power in his hands. Um, I mean, I guess too, if you if you like both their chances to survive here, you, you'd probably get an insane number on on Overeem by decision. But either way, yeah, uh, Alistair Overeem at plus one thirty is a good number. I'm also gonna throw another one in there too. I really like Giga Chikadze fighting uh, Mike Davis this weekend as well. You know, he's a uh, you know professional kickboxer. He's done amazing on the kickboxing circuit. Moves over to MMA. Is two and zero in the UFC, and he's pretty much fighting a guy who it seems like loves to strike and has like a mediocre ground game. So like if he is able to stop a couple of people who wanted to wrestle him up all the time, now he's going to be fighting a guy who maybe doesn't want to wrestle him up all that much and would rather try out the striking. And he's betting off at plus 180. And I think the value there is just astronomical. So take a look at Alistair Overeem. Take a look at Giga Chikadze. Um, and that brings us to our parlay. So I'm going to send it back over to you, Jeff. What do you got for a parlay for the fans? All right, for parlay, um, take over him, and I'm thinking uh, Philippe Linz versus your your boy uh, Andre Arlovski. He's he's at a minus 150, and I, I think he's uh, he's going to be too much for for the pit bull to to handle in this uh, encounter. That's on the Smith and uh, Glover Glover card in 13th. Oh, so you know, obviously, you are absolutely murdering me right now by picking against my boy Andre Arlovski, who I actually think I, I almost put him as my underdog. I'm gonna be honest. I actually think oh, he's a on. decent underdog here, right? Like uh, the guy is—he has been an underdog nonstop. But I, I understand what you're saying, right? Felipe Linz, the more exciting, the younger fighter, the one we all hope wins, so that he can have a real career and and kind of make his name off of the. Wiley veteran, but I will add that if you add those two picks together, both Overeem and Felipe Linz, you can get them right now at about plus 280 if you pair them together, so that's certainly a hell of a parlay to play there. You're going to get three to one money. I'm going to give them a little smaller bit of odds here. I'm going to take Courtney Casey, who's fighting Mara Romero Borella. She's got great wrestling, and I, I see her just being able to sort of dominate Borella wherever it goes. And I'm going to take the aforementioned Claudia Gedalia, who I think should be a bigger favorite against Angela Hill, given that these two are both pretty sizable favorites at negative 150 and negative 185, respectively. You pair those two together, you're going to get plus 155 back. So that means you're getting better than even money back on two fights that I think are both very easy to predict. Not that, you know, women's MMA sometimes can be a little underpredictable, but we got two people here who are really good at dominating where the fight takes place. So I like that, but obviously if you want to go a little bit bigger with your play, uh, try it, go ahead and see if you can pick against Andre the Pitbull Arlovsky, which I wouldn't advise against. Um, Jeff, you got any other little tidbits for people before we, uh, we let them go? No, I, I think I think we are we are good. Uh, it's gonna be an interesting week. Uh, two uh, fight cards almost back to back, so it should be. Uh, if they can pull this off, it should be uh, rather exciting. Yeah, it's gonna be wild to see a fight card on Wednesday. I think we did we get a fight card on a Wednesday, probably like uh, probably like ten years ago in like North Dakota or something wild like that. 
Probably. Uh, I don't have it off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm not a uh, I'm not a Hawani um, uh, memory with, with with events like like he is. But yeah, I, I guess we've had back to back before. Back when we used to run the Ultimate Fighters on, on Fridays, and then International uh, Fight Week, the the big fight on Saturday. But yeah, this this one's obviously a different circumstances. Three three fight cards in a week uh, is going to be um, quite the undertaking. Absolutely, it is going to be quite the undertaking, and we're hoping you're listening in with us and tuning into those fights as well. Hopefully, you learned something. Jeff, thanks again for joining me. Anytime. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without the mothership, flowcombat.com. So make sure to head on over there and get all of your Top Turtle MMA podcast fix. We also want to remind you to check out our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. All kinds of cool things going on there, including some giveaways for autograph stuff. So you're going to want to check that out. And we want to ask you to check out our sponsors as well. Maroon Social, Battle Clean Gear, The Fight Call app and of course ladder nutrition i'm daniel gumby freeland joined this week by jeff fox joined next week by shotgun dave tremonte and i will see you next week